I put a lot of onus on observation using all of the senses. So what are people not saying? What are people not thinking? You know, what are they doing combined with the words that are coming out of their mouths so that I can form questions that facilitate deeper conversations and we get to uncover a lot of things. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and this week's guest is awesome. I am so excited to share her with you. Jess Duell is a business advocate that grabs chaos by the hand and she grows businesses. She's a nationally recognized business development tactician and uses proactive approaches to instill thoughtful short and long-term decision-making at every level of an organization. With over 20 years of advising and consulting experience, including four of her own businesses, her views are both unexpected and practical. Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Richard. I am excited to be here, and awesome is definitely the most appropriate word. (laughs) I love that. So what I like to do oftentimes, because everybody has such a unique path to get them to where they are today, tell us how you started on this path of beginning and doing 20 years worth of advising and consulting. Yeah, it turns out that I'm a really good problem solver. So no matter what role I'm ever in, I end up solving problems. And so people then start to tell me more problems. And then it gets sometimes TMI and sometimes just really heart-heavy things that are are weighing on them and they're not sure how all of the stuff fits and works together. And I mean, I'm filled with gratitude that people choose me to share some of these secrets with. And it turned out the things that you can't share with other people it's it's because they don't feel like anybody listens. So I was thinking about what how did I get to where I am today? And it's because I listen. I put a lot of onus on observation using all of the senses. So what are people not saying? What are people not uh, thinking? What are, you know, what are they doing combined with the words that are coming out of their mouths so that I can form questions that facilitate deeper conversations and we get to uncover a lot of things. And that's a really big way of saying, I mean, I was, if I were to say it some other way, it would almost sound like a joke. What does a nun, a cross country trucker and a cowboy and a race car driver have in common? The things that I wanted to be when I grow up. That is wild. So you are not a cross country trucker cowboy. No, I'm not. But it's still. <laughs> I, but my, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up yet. There's still time. I still may do that. You never know. This is very true. And <laughs> yeah, what what you said kind of it really resonated with me. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people who are psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, they they have that sort of sentiment because essentially, people would always say in that pr- profession, you know, people will always talk to me. And I don't know why, but it it just seems like people would always come up and share their stuff with me. And it sounds like people always have been sharing their stuff with you and you have found a way to turn that into a very non-traditional kind of career. Correct. That is correct. And non-traditional conversations. This morning, I just finished my walk and I was in a bakery right around the corner from my house. And there was a little boy with his dad in there. And the little boy turns to me and there's, it's full. And he turns to me, it's like he just saw me and he turned around and he needed to say something to me. And I was like, well, hi. He goes, hi, what are you going to have? And I was like, oh, 
I don't know what I'm going to have for the bakery. Do you know? And we had this great conversation about this tahini brownie that he was going to eat for his snack this morning. And, you know, and it's like, oh, all right. So it was a very true, short connection. And, you know, I may see this little boy and his father at the bakery another time, and now we have a connection. So there's a friendly face in a place that one more friendly face in a place that we regularly frequent. And it's pretty amazing when we stop and look how we can make those types of connections and how they really can facilitate what we're trying to do both in our lives and at work. And it is that connections with others at work that has really defined your career for the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how you apply those connections and do what you do best, which is solving problems. Yeah, that that concept of solving problems. I didn't even understand when I, you know, 20 years ago, I, I didn't even understand what I was doing with solving problems. It was just the stuff that I did. I got the things done. I figured out where people got stuck and I removed the stuck and we were able to execute and get more bigger, better results than were originally planned. And it didn't matter where I was at or what I was doing. That path continued and repeated itself. And I guess really, you know, when somebody says, hey, this isn't working or, hey, I've got this problem or, you know what, and the problem is over here. Like I've got this thing with my website and technologically I can't do it. Or going on the other end of the spectrum, I keep having this one person who doesn't show up and doesn't seem to care yet. I know they're perfect for this position and I'm not sure what's missing. The cool thing is people think they know what their problems are before they ever start talking to me. So the first thing I have really found is, okay, well, is that really the problem? Or is it a symptom of the actual problem? And how amazing is it that the majority of stuff out there is symptoms of deeper problems and that when we take time to stop and question and ask and think and actually think is a big one. We should probably come back to that at some point in our conversation. This this concept of, of, of thinking and watching, it's amazing how four or six or 10 of these things that seemed totally unrelated actually have a common core problem. And it's from that addressing and working and changing and shifting that core problem that all of those symptoms and sometimes more that didn't seem big enough to articulate also change and shift and move on. Jess, I love what you said because most people don't think about business problems as symptoms. And if we think about the medical model, right, wrong, or indifferent, we essentially treat symptoms in our culture more so than getting to the root of the problem. But your perspective is essentially, let's take a step back. Let's go up to a you know, at a higher level and look at things and see what's really the root of these symptoms and address that. I love it. Thank you. And I'm going to, I'm going to go right back to thinking because I can't let it go. Is that all right? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, this is in my brain and it's stuck here. I mean, we are in a, uh, and talking about like what you were just speaking to medically, the, the concept of whatever is happening, our ailment is what's treated instead of looking a little bit further, one layer, two layers deeper. The same is true in how we approach our world. We want to, we want to be busy because we think this concept of having a full schedule means we're going to achieve. And being busy without thinking will never equal achievement ever, ever, ever. And I very rarely use never. This case, it is so true because all we're going to do is keep doing what we've always been doing. And we're not stopping. We're not taking the time. We're not actually employing this concept of, does it look right? Does it feel right? What have I been seeing? And what are the reasons that I don't like the fact that it's not working so far? And shifting our perspective, which is one of those things where a walk can help, a talk with a six-year-old can help, meeting somebody's eyes on the street that's a stranger, 
stopping by, picking up the phone, calling, calling a client you haven't talked to in a while, calling a family member you haven't talked to in a while, you, you know, writing a thank you note or just an, uh, a love note and dropping it in the mail. All of those things create just enough space that our subconscious can, can work a little. And then all we need is space for a spark. And then it's like, oh, now I know what to think about. So you gave a couple of good examples. You know, stop, talk to an old client, make eye contact with somebody, <laughs> have this connection. These are great examples. What would you say to the business person, the solopreneur, the entrepreneur, or the person working in a corporate setting who is absolutely overwhelmed with their workload as is? How do you find and make the time to do that? I'm so glad you asked me that. Do you know? I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> it starts saying no. Say no to somebody once a day. Literally. Is we're we're not making decisions. We are not when we are overloaded and overwhelmed and all of this stuff keeps coming at us and keeps coming at us. What we can do is we can say no. No, I can't meet with you today or next week. No, I'm working on this particular project. Oh, you're asking me to change my priority schedule, my my priorities. Well, we need to schedule a time I need to collect more information because I know what I've been tasked to do. I know what my mission is right now. I know what my role in this project is. And you might be asking me to take too many resources away from that. So being able to stop and go, you know what? No, no, I'm not going to just consider that. Thank you for that idea. I have this great thing that I do and I recommend everybody does it in their own way. A lot of people keep things electronically. It's not the same electronically. I have sticky notes of every shape and color, and I have envelopes and baskets that I put these things that I write on. And so every time somebody comes to me with an idea, or every time I'm reading an article, or I'm reading a book and I get this great idea, they go on a sticky note. And those sticky, because I love new ideas and I am what's, I'm a quick start. I'm like, yep, I can totally put a process and do that and implement that really quickly. The thing is, as soon as I say yes, I'm saying no to something else. And I would rather say no first, knowing that I'm on a task, I have a plan, I have these deadlines that I've got to work with. And then I can come back to all these cool ideas that I have that I caught my attention when I have the space that I have created to decide. I'm ready to take on a new project. So what does that look like? And be able to filter that through things like, here's my mission. This is what our one-year and our three-year goals are. This is what technology is doing to us. Do these things still make sense? And consider them at some future point in time. That concept of saying no, coming back, coming back and saying, nope, I've decided what I'm going to do and I'm not filling up my day and I'm not going to squeeze anything else in because it comes at a detriment to me. And when it's at a detriment to me, I'm unable to show up and do what I'm supposed to do at the level I agreed to, I believe in, and I expect of myself. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I like that a lot because essentially by saying no, we are positioning ourselves to not only do what is most pressing and most important, that would, of course, build some of that time back in to stop and think. But my question is this, Jess, we are sort of conditioned in business that the client is always right, the customer's right, and no has often been perceived as kind of a dirty word in business because we're supposed to bend over backwards for our customers. So how do you use no strategically? How do you tell people no without having them say, well, I'm just going to go to your competitor? How do you handle that? Okay, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of confidence to say, oh, well... 
Thank you. I can tell you about that competitor and how they will solve your problem. So when you go talk to them, make sure and ask them this and this and this and this. Because sometimes it's the idea and the conditioning that our clients have that needs to be reset, like training a dog, like shaping the space that we teach our children in to make the decisions and have ownership and accountability. And business owners don't like to hear it because they think accountability and responsibility should, should, would, and they expect to have this stuff come with their employees. The thing is, accountability and responsibility is very much a lead by example. So when we as leaders make it okay to say, well, this is our mission, and that is so far outside of our mission, or, you know, we can't do that at a loss and still provide you this service, I must say no. There are usually good reasons why we must say no to a customer. Now, this is different than being responsive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't say, you know, let go of being responsive or let go of being true or let go of having a connection because all of those things are definitely a part of service. The thing is having that boundary, at at what point do we lose money and making sure that every single person in our team understands this is the point that we lose money. This is the point that we break even. So when you cross this line, these are the repercussions in our organization. Are we ready for that? Do we want that? Are you ready for how it affects you in your role? Whether that means more work with less resources because we're taking on a client, we're, we're, we're saying, sure, client, we'll take more work for you at the same amount of money, which means if you've got three people working on something for that person and you take on double the work, those three people now have to do that work. And so we have a, we have a responsibility to ourselves and our employees and a clarity around that of saying, yeah, well... Sure, we can do that, provided we can come to an arrangement, right? And it could always be provided. Sure, we could explore what that looks like at our next meeting. No, I can't do that for you right now. We We will fail you. And isn't it important to be able to say, no, we will fail you instead of yes and have a bad customer experience? Absolutely. You would not want that bad customer experience to be sure. I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and that's actually something though, too, sometimes it requires a culture change. And so what I'm talking about is people are probably going to be like, yeah, that would never fly in my organization. What? Are you kidding me? Well, then there's some culture stuff happening. There's some understanding and shared meaning around the values and what the actual mission means and how each person contributes to that mission to provide the solution to those customers. And when there are gaps in there, there's all kinds of issues that usually have symptoms. That means there are problems to be solved. So there is a lot of of what ends up happening is not a complete culture review because that, you know, we also have to do business and we have to keep doing things. Clarity around what do we need to change? Where are these problems? And where can we become even better for our clients? But as we discover the root causes of the problems, which are creating these symptoms, I would think by default, as we address those root causes, you are going to see some cultural shifts. Uh, yes. And it's actually the most, it's, it's the easiest with uh, children, because if we don't have our own children, or we're going to have these ch- children, you, you can hear these stories from everybody who's ever been a parent. So let's say you're a parent and your child is three and they still are sucking on a pacifier. Okay. They're getting ready to go to their daycare, their pre-care, whatever, preschool, you know, whatever the choices that your family is making for your family. The problem is that this child is still sucking on a pacifier. Well, how did the child get to start sucking on the pacifier? Scream, pacifier in. Scream, pacifier in. Unhappy, pacifier in. So, There's an attention associated with it. When you take that pacifier away, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, Dr. Richard? Not a good time. Right. There's going to be some screaming. Lots and lots of screaming. And so when we make changes, even when we think they're small, it's going to feel like being screamed at by toddlers that are having something change or looking for something that screaming usually gets them a response to. And it's not a bad thing. It's the way of the world. It's how we learn. And we become better communicators because we're like, oh yeah, I'm committed to what I just said. And I will work with this screaming and be in the space of this and show up with love 
and maybe some earplugs, and we will get through it. And if we don't, we go backwards, right? And the cycle continues. Jess will just liken the entire business world to a bunch of toddlers with <laughs> pacifiers, and I love that. But, but in all seriousness, everything, everything you're saying makes a lot of sense, and that there is going to be some screaming. Yeah. There is going to be some pushback. But what I'm hearing from you is if we stick to our guns, if we keep with it, then we can have a more positive outcome at the end. Yes, we can. And it's worth it. It's almost like if you want to, if you want to talk about God or the universe or any of that kind of stuff, when, when we decide to make a change in our life, the world shows up and says, well, that's not the way it's always been. And the people around us, our most significant relationships in our personal and work lives, well, that's not the way this is. And there's going to be pushback to find out who are you and what did you do with the person that I knew that used to do it this other way. And it's, it's in that test, it's in that space that, go, that we get a chance to really look at all at once in all of its glory. I'm ready to let this go and let this problem be done or I'm not. And our choice, we stick with our guns and we move through and things change. And in fact, there's usually more space, more opportunity, more connection after that really difficult period of time. Fantastic. I really like the way that you phrase that. And what I want to do, though, I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to ask you about something that is just blasted all over your website. Hashtag act to plan. Talk to us about that. Oh, man. Well, so act to plan. Plan is an acronym. And this concept of act is, and it comes back down to problem solving. We would rather avoid a problem we, to keep the peace, to kind of let sleeping dogs lie, even if we don't like the outcomes, than to make a decision and move forward. And act to plan is all about making a decision because really theory, plans, talking, understanding the vision, go understanding the big impact in the global world after we do all of this work starts with a single step forward, a single action. And it's from that action that all of the all of this vision that has been created becomes tested. It's through that single first action that things that were fuzzy become a little less fuzzy. They become in or out. It's likely we can do it. It's unlikely we can do it. And we have clarity around our next set of steps, our next set of set of options. And when we overlay our vision, our mission of whatever we're doing in this world on top of that, we get a pretty clear path. Now, our journey still might look like those of you who are old enough to remember family circus, the family circuses where the little guy in 20 minutes has gone to 500 different places at least three times in the same picture. Uh, and you see his trail of all of the activities that he has done. Our journey still looks like that. Yet we know we're on the, we know we're on the right path because we've got that big thinking. Now we're taking action and we can see the results of those actions moving forward. Plan stands for the power to lead, assess, and navigate a profitable business. So we're acting to plan because we have the power to know what our business is telling us and if it is healthy or not. We have the ability to lead. We've decided to start a business. We have something we know people want to buy or we're trying to determine our market or whatever, but we're leading. We are the ones that are taking the action. We're assessing. Is what we're doing working? Does it have the outcomes that we wanted? And how are things that are changing out in the world affecting us? Because we don't work in a vacuum. Technology changes and economy changes affect every industry. And then to navigate, this comes back to the problem solving, the decision making, this execution, and reviewing. This horrible, boring thing called business reviews is actually the most telling a way we we know how in love we are with what we're doing by whether or not we will look at our reviews and what we look at in those reviews of our businesses and our teams. You know what I also strikes me about this plan acronym is that this is also applicable not only to business but in our own personal lives as well. It really is. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we talk about 
and I love I like the movement that we're in right now where we've taken the focus off of business and it's all about the people and the people are in business and um I had a mentor his his visual was belly to belly we are we are in it with our customers we are belly to belly all of the time totally connected and as a business advocate one of the things that I do is say you're right all of you guys are doing all of your own amazing work to be the best individuals you can be so how do you come together and what parts of the best use come together to make a successful, profitable business that creates jobs in your community, that supports and provides solutions for those in your community, your country, and your world. Sounds relatively purpose-driven, Jess. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we'd get there. And yes, uh, very purpose-driven. So Jess, something I'm interested in is that we've talked about the problem solving. We've talked about facing things head on saying no to people. But oftentimes, when people are communicating with you, they're not always communicating with you. And and I'm not just talking about nonverbals. I'm talking about there are things, there's layers that remain unpeeled, and those are unseen problems because nobody's addressing them, that elephant in the room, so to speak. How do you get to that? How do you solve that issue? Oh, you know, I'm going to start by saying sometimes you can't. And recognizing when we can't is as important as recognizing when we can, because maybe it's an elephant in the room and, oh, this concept of where we are in our organization, okay, there's something else going on that affects what we're talking about, yet that person cannot tell us what's going on. Okay, so there's that. And when we are tuned in, when we take the time to have a connection with people to have open dialogue and to be able to even disagree publicly about things. Once that decision is made, if there's something that seems to be missing, there most likely is. And we can always ask, can't we? doesn't matter at home, at work. We can always ask, well, why aren't you telling me anything else about this? What else is going on here? Is there something that is relevant to this that didn't make sense to talk about in this bigger conversation we were having. That's good. That's got to be good enough. If you get an answer that, nope, I can't tell you. Nope, there's nothing there. We have to, even if we don't, we have to accept the face value, whether we believe it or not. And then this concept of, well, okay, so we're in a place, maybe, maybe somebody, it's our, one of our team members that we're responsible for. It's a colleague on our executive team that we knew had been struggling or I knew had been struggling and what they're saying and what I'm seeing and hearing and looking at on what's given to me don't match up, it's important to ask a question. It's also important to ask the right question. So when we see something that's not being said, there's some elephant in the room, we may not take immediate action. We may go sit, work on other things, think about that and how to collect other data that we might need to be able to show up and ask a question that is non-threatening if it needs to be in a group or even in a one-on-one scenario, getting more information by asking a question, doing it in a way that will promote conversation instead of close conversation. I love that in particular, promote instead of close conversation. And I would suspect that having a culture that's open to conversation in the first place makes this sort of change 10 times easier than in those where it is not. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you have, in addition to all of the exciting things that you're doing in the business world, that you are the host of a really exciting podcast. And I'd like you to take a couple of minutes and talk about that with our audience. Oh, Thank you, Dr. Richard. Yes. So the voice of bold business came to me um, in a dream. I, I get ideas from everywhere. You know, the shower, on walks, conversations with strangers, dreams. This one came to me in a dream. It was, oh my gosh, how do we, because I had gone to bed thinking, how do we help people learn the skills they need? Because there's this concept of leadership, but leadership is not an action. It's a thing we are, and it's through the actions that we choose. So the voice of bold business are for 
people that are in business, and it, it doesn't matter what position in business, that want to understand what it means to act a plan as well as just own and, and work within the role that they were given and have accepted to add as much value as possible in that space. Because what we do when people are looking is okay. It's what we do when nobody's looking that tells us if we are applying leadership or sponsorship or advocateship, right? All of those things come from what we do outside of who's looking at us. And so the Voice of Bold Business is this place where if people are having problems, they're not alone. When we think we have nobody to talk to in our own organization, it's really hard to go to a networking event and expose a problem because usually networking events or seminars or workshops or conferences are where you go to make connections to help us further our careers in every other way except for our own individual personal development. And running a business is hard. And so the voice of bold business is for anybody who is a leader in an organization by choice, right? You started it, you sit on the board by promotion, by desire to learn the skills that you want to and move up the ladder within the organization you're in. All of those things can be benefited and supplemented by the Voice of Bold Business. We have a good time. We laugh. We're talking about problems. We're talking about real-world solutions. Sometimes I ask a question and I invite people to share two minutes their experience and their approach to to answer the question, and then we build a whole dialogue around it. So there's a range of different perspectives to the same question, which is the most important because you know as well as I do, Dr. Richard... There's more than one way to do everything, everything. But how do you choose? And maybe maybe you're facing a problem. So somebody that's listening comes to the Voice of Bold Business. Maybe they are having a problem they're trying to solve and work through and consider. And one sentence of one person that's on the show says something that says, yes, I have not tried that. Or, oh, I tried it. I had a different result. I wonder what that's about. Now we're thinking. And the voice of bold business is how do we think more to act with purpose? Purposeful action. Purposeful action. I love that. And one of the things that solopreneurs in particular are susceptible to, although entrepreneurs to a lesser degree, is that the leadership position is isolative by nature. And you have all of these responsibilities to manage, but you are in many ways disconnected from your peers and that you have this voice of bold business podcast, which can help those individuals continue to foster their development, solve problems and grow not only themselves, but their companies. Kudos to you. That's awesome. Thank you. So just as you know, I like to wrap up with a question that I ask all my guests and that is, What is your biggest helping? The single most important piece of information for somebody to walk away with after listening to you today. What we do and what we say models for ourselves first and other people second what is acceptable in our lives. And how we recognize when we ourselves, uh, there's a gap between what we say and what we do is by learning to problem solve. The four steps of problem solving are the biggest takeaway that can be applied anywhere, anytime, right? Recognize there's a problem, collect the data, understand what the solutions are and evaluate them, and then make a choice that's based on the best right now and stick to it. Say no when you got to say no to stick to it. Because here's the thing, that's action. Choosing a solution, taking it, is taking action. And it's seeing the result of that to go, okay, what can we do differently to get closer to the result we want? The more we do that, the quicker we get to those end results. And we're practicing it consciously. So we can apply it to conversations and communication. We can apply it to work. We can apply it to the places we volunteer. It comes back to we do what we do. And if we only do things when people are watching us, we have more work. We have to problem solve ourselves. 
first. So my biggest helping really is what is problem solving? Are we doing it to the benefit of the person, the group? And sometimes, you know, a lot of times that starts with ourselves. We have to be doing the right thing for us. And then how are we adding value to those groups through our problem solving? Fantastic. Awesome advice from a master problem solver. Jess, where can people find you? You can visit voiceofboldbusiness.com. You can also visit reddirection.com and find all kinds of goodies, all kinds of content. And I really appreciate you taking the time and inviting me to, to come on your show because I've had a great time and I have enjoyed the podcast episodes that have been published so far. There's always a neat, unique, interesting story to be found. And they're so varied that I'm going to just say this right now, that every time I listen to one of your podcasts, Dr. Richard, I take something from it and I can apply it to something totally different and I can see some sort of a shift. I get clarity around what's my problem, what solution should I choose, whatever the case may be. So thank you for that. Oh, you're, you're, you're welcome. And I swear I did not pay her to say any of that. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> All right. Well, that was uh, wonderful words from Jess Duell. And everything that Jess talked about, her podcast and whatnot, we'll also have that listed in the show notes for this episode, as well as on the Daily Helping app, which you can pull down in the iTunes store or on Google Play. But that is it for today. A great time talking with Jess Duell. Thanks again for being here. And thanks to each and every one of you that listened. If you like what you heard, go out there, subscribe to that show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And that's what helps other people find this podcast. But most importantly, go out and do something nice for somebody else today, even if you don't know them. Post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.